Welcome to Asia Insight, the podcast from the Asia New Zealand Foundation to Fitu Tohono. I'm Graham Acton. More than two years since the military coup in Myanmar, the political situation seems in a stalemate. The civil war prompted by the coup has seen more than 20,000 people arrested, more than 3,000 killed. Meanwhile, Myanmar's GDP has plummeted from an average 6% growth rate during the reform period to negative 18% since the coup. The NUG, the National Unity Government, was formed in May 2021, consisting of ousted political leaders of Aung San Suu Kyi's National League for Democracy and others in opposition to the military junta. The group has now set up an office in Canberra as it prepares for the possibility of elections and it continues its efforts to be recognised by the Australian Government. Dr Tun Ong Sway is the NUG's representative in Canberra and I spoke to him during a recent visit to New Zealand. I began by asking him about the recent attempt to ban aviation fuel imports into Myanmar and a bit to ground the warplanes currently attacking opposition groups in the Burmese countryside. So Myanmar people is living under the brutal military regime after the military coup had been in February 2021, 1st February. So, you know, actually Myanmar military never win the civil civil war and the armed conflict happened in Myanmar because it's almost over the 70 years since independence. And then, but the military able to contain that uh, ethnic armed organization resistance. And then this time, the, the Myanmar military leaders also think that they are able to contain this resistance, but now totally different, totally different to what they expected. So as far as the air power goes and the air force, um, Canada, the EU, US, etc. have recently announced sanctions that were targeting aviation fuel for the aircraft. I'm just wondering how that, how that is going. Is that effective? Are those sanctions working? Uh, we have to wait and see how much it's effective. But this is really good stats because, you know, uh, Myanmar people and as well as NUG and other ethnic leaders, we try to get uh, protection from the uh, international community protection to Myanmar peoples. But we didn't success. And then also we requested the no-fly zone principles applying to Myanmar because of the Myanmar military air attacks, air strikes to the civilian areas, but no general success. So, but this time the fuel, cutting the fuel supply to Myanmar military, then we work. Then mm, we work. Mm. But, you know, the Myanmar military, it has a lot of experience how to manipulate this kind of international sanctions. And they have other alternative approaches. So we need to wait and see and then they cut the other alternative. Right. Well, I, I've seen that um, Amnesty International uh, did a report on, on how fuel was getting into Myanmar. It was coming from Thailand and India, right? Myanmar's neighbours. So is it a solution, do you think, to the current problem, that the fuel thing? Or do you think the fuel can be cut off to an extent that, that the Air Force can't fly? Yeah, I do think it can kind of, I think, uh, up to certain extent. But we do need a very close monitoring on this uh, fuel supply because... You know, there are a lot of business farms. They are closely and secretly working with military hunter. And then the military hunter has some other business associate in neighbor, in neighbors. So we do need a close monitoring. Who are the army's friends now, do you think? For the moment, the military, Myanmar military receiving a significant support from Russian government. Very obvious. And also they are receiving some support from India. I don't want to say the India government, but Maybe India company, business firm, or something like that. 
And also, Nyama Military had a very close business associate in Thailand. So a few months ago, the Thai uh, riot police arrested one of the business associates who is working very closely with Senior General Mia Lai, especially in the arms trade. He was arrested. Right, and what's happened to him? Yeah, yeah for the moment, uh, under the Thai government at and the Thailand justice system he is facing court. As far as sanctions and and um, and everything go, and, and and discussion really over military action, if you like, what value do you see currently in the in ASEAN's five point plan, the one that was presented a couple of years ago, which sort of gives gives the army some options, but seems to have been ignored. Do you think it's time for ASEAN to do something else on that front, or? <laughs> Can we go forward from here? Yeah. So in 2021 April, I do think it's t- April 2021 or 22nd, ASEAN leaders sit down together with me outline, the military leader, and they agree on the five point a principle, a consensus. And then it didn't work. So violence, according to the consensus, violence must be stopped immediately. But two years, never stopped, and even worse. And then in terms of humanitarian assistance, ASEAN countries like to try its best to assist Myanmar people, those in need, and their military manipulating their uh, humanitarian assistance mechanism. So there are a lot of limitations there. So for example, ASEAN nations, they they assign the ASEAN uh, heart center, the uh, humanitarian assistance center, to take the lead, the humanitarian assistance. But according to the center protocol, the center able to work only with its counterpart ministry. So in Myanmar, Ministry of Social Welfare, which is under the management of another control of military. So it's mean the ASEAN effort is not 100% effective under the manipulation of ministry. So among the five-point consensus, they are able to recruit and appoint special envoy, and then special envoy able to make visit to Myanmar. So now this is time to review this uh, five-point consensus. Actually, the ASEAN leaders, they sit down together and review the five-point consensus last year, and then they have a, a, they release a 15-point statement. But it's still in the statement. Uh, I didn't see any concrete action and follow-up actions. I suppose there's, there is a view that the Tamil law will, will only enter dialogue when it realises it can't win the war from a military perspective, because that's how it operates. It is an army that just does everything through the point of a gun, right? So it's until it realizes it can't win, it won't talk. I absolutely agree with that. So Myanmar military, since the first military coup happened in 1962, three months later, the, the military killed uh, hundreds of university students in Yangon University in July. So it's known as the 7 July crisis. And also, later on, 69, 1969, 1974, there are a lot of crises happening in Myanmar, and the Myanmar military are trying to annihilate all these anti-coup movement, including the 1988, the wall recognized this crisis, and also the 2007. So that is the military mentality, and then their usual response to the opposition side. So this time, the military already decided to 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 annihilate the the, the anti-coup movement and then their strategy is just to to win over the anti-coup movement whatever the cause so that is why they are using their air power and banning down the uh, 
public properties, civilian homes, schools, hospital, in the airstrikes. It's it's hard to see, really, isn't it, going forward to how the Myanmar military can be involved in politics from now on because of what it's done in the last two years. It seems, I mean, it, it can justify it to itself, but the, the international community and the Myanmar people have looked at the damage and the death that has come down, and really the army has no place in politics, right? Once this is over, how would you see the army fitting into a future Myanmar politics? This Myanmar Spring Revolution is quite different to the previous revolution. So the, the significant things, there are two significant things. First thing is Myanmar people commitment. They are very committed to eliminate the Myanmar military dictatorship from the Myanmar Swan. Very committed. And the second thing, Myanmar people live another fear for over 70 decades under the military. But now, the fear, they are now over the fear threshold. So there is a two things you need to understand on the Myanmar Spring Revolution. That is why Myanmar people fighting against the military, even the power is quite imbalanced. So from the military side, they will not step back. They, they will try to eliminate the anti-coup movement and try to eliminate all the opposition. Because of this situation, there is a significant bargaining problems in both sides, and I don't see any conducive environments supporting for the the dialogues. As far as the the latest move from the army, the dissolution of the NLD and the apparent election, is it to my understanding that the election is going to be in August? Is that your? Yes, yeah, that is their previous plan. Yeah. And early this year, because of the significant resistance from the people's side, the one of they they are spokesperson uh, uh, General Zomenton uh, said that they're not going to hold an election in this year. And then very recently in this uh, military newspaper, that they get the global new life of Myanmar, and then I saw the announcement that. The government tendering commission cancelled the tender calling for the the election equipment and supplies. So it's mean they have no plan to to hold the election in twenty twenty three, definitely. But they are still preparing because that election is their exit strategy. So military set up the five point roadmaps and then the fifth point is to hold the general election and then they're trying to be a uh, elected military government rather than the good leader. So that's quite similar to Thailand in a way. This yeah, is what yeah, Thailand did, yeah. right? Same formula. I mean, as far as the NUG goes, what what is the NUG strategy towards the election when it happens, if it happens? It's very clear that the NUG has a two main objective. The first one is to eliminate the military dictatorship from the Myanmar side. That is one objective. The second objective is to build Federal Democratic Union of Myanmar. So according to the second objective, the NUCC, the big body of the the movement, the NUCC already formulated the Federal Democracy Charter. So NUG is established based on that charter instead of the 2008 constitution, which is already abolished. So in this charter, we already mentioned the 12-step political roadmaps to restore democracy and build the uh, Federal Democratic Union. So in that 12-step roadmaps, the NUG already mentioned that 
in the transitional phase, transitional government going to call uh, constitutional assembly, and the the assembly going to draft a new constitution, and then call the referendum on the draft constitution, and the once it's approved, we will call a, a general election. So that is the way we are approaching. And that that does not include the army in any form. Although the army yeah. will no doubt have its own political parties that will want to contest the election. Just on the NUG, I'm wondering how much the national unity government, how much national unity is there in the NUG? Is the NUG able to combine the interests and the, the force of all of the seven states together? Is that working? Yeah. So if you look at the political background of the each and every members of each and every member of the NUG, the cap 20, uh, 31, 31 or 33 cabinet member, 35 percent of the cabinet members are National League for Democracy (NLD) background, mm-hmm. and then 35 percent is from the ethnic party and ethnic arms organization, and 13 percent is is uh, uh, independence, and then only a few percent is non-ethnic, non. Uh, NLD uh, bodies background. So very, quite diverse and united. And the, another point is the Federal Democracy Charter. So that charter has two parts. Part one highlight the basic principle to, to formulate the uh, Federal Democratic Union of Myanmar. So if you look at the principle, the basic principle, they are very strong, very clear. And then there is no objection from the, any key stakeholder they all agree on the principle. So this is one of the significant achievements in the Myanmar Spring Revolution. Okay, so as far as the NUG goes, would it help the NUG to become the international focus point for the struggle, if you like? If it, Say the, the US is talking about giving non-lethal aid as to, to groups in Myanmar. Would it be useful for the NUG to become the bank of the ethnic armies? For example, the NUG was able to organise, to get money to to buy equipment for those armies and then thereby becoming part of their structure and pulling them in to the NUG. Would that work? Yeah, for the moment, the NUG is trying trying to get the international attention and compared to the D1. So as as you mentioned before, the US government, Obama Act. So in this Obama Act, the government clearly mentioned about U.S. government going to support NUG, PDF, and ERU. So there is a very clear statement, and it's a, a kind of recognition to the NUG. So there is a starting point for the other international community member to recognize and to support NUG in various ways. So for the moment, NUG is running its all the operation, not only the military, but also a provision of the Business services like education and health, and mm-hmm. also the immunity assistance with the public funding. So now we are struggling with the demand and supply. So we're running with public funding, but not yet reach our, uh, not yet cover the 100% of our budget. But NUG also closely working with the Alliance Ethnic Arm Organization. So one day we'll reach at that level. For the movement, not yet. So let's just talk about the NUG's aims of a federal Myanmar. What does that look like in the future? What does a federal Myanmar look like? Is that like the United States of Myanmar? Is that a similar thing? Or is it like Australia? Or what is the model that would be used there? 
Yeah, so for the moment, it's very early to say that that model because NUG is just an interim government. So mm-hmm. after the military coup, NUG consolidated all these key stakeholders and fighting against the military and also making the strong platform for the future democratic union of Myanmar. So as I mentioned before, the Federal Democracy Charter in part one of the charter is clearly mentioned the basic principle for the uh, Federal Democratic Union, and they all agree on that principle. So according to the 12-point 12 uh, 12 political roadmaps, so there will be the, another government coming after winning over the military. So there will be the, it will be called as a transitional government. So that transitional government will call a constitutional assembly. And the, in this assembly, which is which has uh, which fulfill the the criteria of for the co- uh, conducive environment to draft the constitution. So at that stage, all the legitimate uh, representatives from all each and every uh, stakeholder, they will discuss the the best model for Myanmar. So at that time. We can answer your question. We can work through the details, right? Yeah. Because my my thinking is that some of the of the states, the ethnic minority states, if they became a sort of a self ruling entity to an extent, so they had say Kitchen had had its own Kitchen local government, but then had representatives in in Napidor as well. Is that is that the kind of thing that you're thinking? So each one of them has its has has a degree of autonomy. Yeah. For the moment. So- NUG is practicing like this at this moment. So, for example, in Karini State, Karini State Government and then Karini State Consultative Council, which is like a, a people assembly. So, Kachin State has similar setup and the Karini and then the Chin State it has a similar setup. And also the Sakai, Makwe and then the Mandalay region, that the region also similar setup. While we are fighting against the military, we are also Introducing this kind of practice, so equal based on the equality and equality principles, and then the, also the self determination. Just lastly, what do you think the actual solution to the war is? Will will the army lose militarily, or will they be forced out through discussion or through international sanctions? I mean, how does the army in Myanmar actually leave the political stage? So. NUG and its alliance already decided to make a total reform of the security sectors because under the 70 years, under the military rules, we already, Myanmar people and each and every corner, already aware that the military, Myanmar military mindset is a problem, making the protracted arms conflict in Myanmar. And that is not only the country issue, but also the regional one because of the its consequences effect on the region. So under that total reform of the security center, then with the new nation of Myanmar, we will have a new federal army. There will be a solution. And then the, the federal army will form based on the current people defense forces and then the and then the um, organisation forces. Okay, so that's the end game. But how how do you get the power from the go- from the current army? How do you take the, the power away from the hunter? Uh, there will be two sides within the domestic and also the international. So from the international side, we do need a more effective international sanctions against military, especially arms embargo, cutting the jet fuel, and other. Economic targeted economic section against military. Second, we do need an effective, more effective 
humanitarian assistance mechanism and support assistance to people in Myanmar. That will help Myanmar people do resilient more on the uh, military repression. And third one, Indonesian community need to understand the Myanmar people's voice and support NUG and its alliance to win over the military. But for the moment, NUG and its alliance fighting against the military based on their own strengths. And then now we are able to shake up the military power. That never happened before. No, indeed not. It's right. And because there are, the army was so Bamar based, and now there's a split. There are people there that don't agree with the army right across the board. Yeah. So that is a major change, isn't it, in the way that the politics it, operates? It is, yeah. it is. Actually, Myanmar military have no future. No future. What can, just lastly, what can New Zealand do about this? What can, how can New Zealand assist? New Zealand has a significant roles as an important international com- member of the international community, taking part in the in, uh, international sanctions and also voice out in the United Nations as a member of the United, uh, United Nations and also the regional power, one of the regional powers in Saudi Asia and Asia Pacific. So it has a influential role in the ASEAN and also the Asia Pacific families. So please listen to the pe- voice of the people and then support the people will to be, to, to be able to restore democracy there and build the federal democratic union of Myanmar. Seju Tinbade, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. That's Asia Insight. Thanks for listening. Kaki te ano.